Welcome, you are listening to Links at Bain & Gray, a catalogue of podcasts centred on all things business support in the workplace. Our aim is to bring you interesting and relevant content that will keep you up to date and thriving in your role. Welcome to Bain & Gray Bite Size. Uh, today we're talking all things salary survey with our, our director and founder, Claire Gray, who spent the last sort of six, eight weeks sort of putting lots of information together to sort of help everyone with content and thinking and all things around salaries, what's next, different brands, different industries and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Claire, give us a bit of an overview for those that are perhaps looking um, in the new year um, for what's next, what's moving in in their role. Give us a bit of a sort of heads up on the last six months and what's happened to salaries in the London market. Okay, so the salary survey is a biannual salary survey. So these stats and the information that I've been looking at is over the last six months. So that's sort of a late spring through till late autumn this year. And it's been quite, I would say, quite volatile. It started really strong. The summer dipped off a bit, although we saw things rising up a bit again in terms of recruitment in August. And the autumn has been quite strong for us. And I think it's a very difficult thing to predict. But moving forwards, I think looking at the market at the moment and the way our business is going, I think that 2024 could be could be much stronger for us. In um, terms of salaries particularly? In terms of salaries, but also recruitment. Mm. Um, so if you if you look at, because um, Bain and Gray, we do these every six months, don't we? So if we look yeah. at the, the last six months that's led us into autumn 2023 to the prior six months, are there any big differences, any, any key, uh, key changes to note? Key changes. Um definitely the top end of the market so that's senior EAs senior PAs they are definitely holding strong salaries and those are going up I'd say just for us as a business we're seeing this sort of um, 100k plus salaries more commonly actually than we ever used to Mm. so that's interesting so I'd say that there's still a really strong demand at the top end of the market Um, the entry level so when I say entry level that's first jobbers um, first jobbers with a bit of experience coming into the market, those salaries have really taken a leap up. Um, they more in the previous six months to the last six months that I've looked at are now holding at starting starting salaries of twenty five to twenty eight in the creative industries and twenty eight plus. You know, some first jobbers in finance getting thirty k plus mm. for first jobber salary. So that's taken a big leap up too. Mm. And do you think any of that is a significant change? in roles that's helped with that salary um, increase to an extent? Or is it more that it literally is just market conditions and, the, and salaries numbers have literally gone up? Or or have we seen a bit of an evolvement of roles from... I think it's a bit of both, actually. Mm. Um, I would say that um, these first jobber roles, we're seeing a lot less of these pure sort of... used to talk about it a lot, going in on reception and working your way up. The reception roles and those types of front of office roles are being absorbed internally more in offices. And I would say companies are looking to use those first jobbers uh, in a more diverse way as quickly as possible. So they're more team assistant type roles rather than office junior roles. Don't really see those so much anymore. Mm. Um, But I'd also say it's market conditions. So cost of living, we've been talking about that a lot. Um, and lack of good talent in the market, employers have had to pay more, so it's driven the salaries up Mm. um, in order to attract the talent. And 
I mean, the other big key thing with that as well is, which we talk about a lot, is moving into these hybrid roles. Mm. So if we're looking at first jobbers and they are working perhaps a little bit more remotely than historically first jobbers used to, they need to be trained up quite quickly and they need to be confident in their roles quite quickly because they need to be able to work remotely, confidently, mm. without direct management all the time. Mm. I and mean, it's a really interesting point that I think we, you know, we could come back to mm. in terms of how trainings in the workplaces change for those junior entry roles. But in terms of just across the board then, if salaries have crept up at the bottom, mm. that's, that's filtered all the way up and you said mm. there's more salaries... Um, and certainly we've had more jobs over the, the 100k mm. plus level, um, those chiefs of staff, true business assistants mm. and those r- real right hand roles. What is that a little bit of indicative of the market coming back that's perhaps gone away since COVID? Or is that definitely that perhaps what was 1995 is now is topping over 100? Yeah, I'd say that it's a little bit coming back after COVID. But I'd say, yes, they're just creeping up. Mm. 95 plus, yes, topping over 100. Mm. Um and I think there's always demand at that end of the market. Mm. I do. I think even in even in COVID, we saw that demand was there. They weren't paying perhaps that much. Mm. I think it's interesting because we typically bucket them into sort of chief of staff sort of mm. titles, don't we? Mm. If they're those right hand roles and and those sort of true business assistant, a lot of them can still be called executive assistant, but mm. they're really super level, aren't they? Mm. But I think um, it, it it's an interesting thing to see how. Uh, the job market will evolve in this sort of business support category in terms of the junior ends creeping up Mm. and these senior level roles because they've definitely changed in terms of content, haven't they? Definitely. And at that senior end, don't you think it's fair to say that they're coming from different sort of avenues of of career history? Yes, Um, definitely. And actually just on that uh, chief of staff point, which sort of leads into that top end of the market, I think a lot of senior EA and business assistants are taking that as part of their role. Mm. So um, we do see uh, EAs and PAs moving into chief of staff type roles, but we also see them absorbed within those roles. Certainly, I can think of a couple of roles we've got got on at the moment where, you know, they're looking for chief of staff, but senior EAs and senior PAs are doing those roles essentially at the moment and, yeah. and they're looking to bring those in. So there's definitely an evolving yeah. at that end of the market. So, you know, the, the money, the numbers have gone up. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. What about, what's the landscape looking like from the findings this last half of the year? And, and therefore, perhaps, what are your thoughts on 2024 in terms of, hybrid remote working and what that's going to look like well that's a big topic so that's (laughs) what was interesting about the last six months in this survey uh that we conducted to do to get our numbers for this most recent biannual is that the hybrid work so that'll be a bit of office and a bit of home working is really settling into the norm now so on our survey 73 percent of all people who responded would now look for only for a hybrid role um and i think that's dictating the way that people are working but it would also indicate that i'd say um most employers now are settling into a hybrid work pattern um, so it was interesting that 80% of our respondents saw no change in their hybrid work mm. home structure. So it would suggest that companies have found their ideal way of operating yeah. in terms of that balance. Um, this what, getting everybody back into the office thing, I think it's something that employers 
want and push for but I think they find it hard to attract talent to mm. do that so it's a bit of a push pull on that and that doesn't seem to have particularly and changed. it feels like they're in that sort of tipping point of the scales doesn't it a little on that. bit it's not really come down one way or the other no what what does that hybrid look like do you think most commonly in terms of days in the office versus days remote working seems to be most typically three days office two days remote mm. working um, another thing that was conducted quite heavily, not this last survey, but the one before, was that creating a loneliness in the workplace. And actually what we found in this survey is that a lot of PAs and support staff are actually finding a really good pattern of weekly, even daily updates with their bosses and their teams. And they're not feeling that isolation that was going on a bit before. So I think, again, companies are finding good ways of working around this and finding the right balance. And typically it's a bit more office based perhaps a bit less home-based, but the balance works for everybody and the flexible working is coming into play as well, which I think is making a difference for people. I think those touch points are crucial, aren't they? That mm. We've definitely seen that time and again, mm. both in this sort of market insights and salary survey and just generally throughout our day-to-day, we see a lot of candidates, you know, wanting to make sure there's touch touch points with their, their boss, their team, their colleagues, mm. even on remote working days. Um, what, what are the threads of sort of um, insights came out of the salary survey? So some a couple of interesting sort of key takeaways. Um, well, I want to talk about the recruitment process, actually, because mm. that's obviously for our business really important. But a lot of the respondents to the survey said they were finding that process, interview processes were taking too long. Roles were changing halfway through the interview process. Um, so that's something that I think companies need to speed up with a bit um, in order to keep the process smooth. Um the other interesting thing was that the temp and contract market has really rocketed up. We haven't really spoken about that. Mm. Um, in this slightly more unpredictable economic climate, companies are definitely going to the contract and temp route over hiring permanently or whilst they decide what they're doing to mm. hire permanently. So that was an interesting one. Been much more open to that. Lots of companies, haven't they, that typically yeah. have no need for temps, as they might have no. said in the past. There's certainly very much doing temp and certainly sort of six or, or nine month contracts. Yeah, and as looking you say. at that as a fallback. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is that we are going back to face to face interviews. Mm. And that's a really strong thing that's coming through from companies wanting to do that and candidates preferring that. So 70% want face to face interviews. And actually, when we were looking at our company our sort of market insights um a lot of the big companies are now changing to a completely face-to-face interview process again so totally coming back from the covid Mm. um, which i think really helps with the recruitment process it makes the candidates make the right decision about where they want to be because they're seeing it properly i think that's right i think a really important thing to stress you know to anyone listening on that is that has been quite a battle in terms of physically mm. getting people to meet mm. both on both sides, hasn't it? Yeah, in terms totally. of getting used to it again, taking time out of the diary to get in front of um, you know clients or indeed to see the candidates because it feels more time consuming than it did. But of course, it's what we did before COVID. It's what we did, um, yeah. and, I and think it is crucial to the process, isn't it? Totally. That's so what I was going to say. Yeah, I think the decision that's then made at the end of that process is is. It's far more informed, and I just don't think you can replace the. I mean, the Zoom and the video call. Yes, it has its place, and I think it will always have its place. But um, in terms of hiring, I think the face-to-face is absolutely crucial. I think the environment, the company, the other, the other 
thing to point out is the company culture. Mm. Um, this is this crops up more and more with candidates saying they want, um, you know, it's important to them that there's a corporate social responsibility around mm. the company that they're joining, the EDIB, the mental health, the well-being, the support, the add-on benefits, um, all that sort of stuff. Uh, is really key because we know uh, of you know generations entering the workplace now we know that they're looking for more than just a paycheck definitely we know that there's all those things at the top of the agenda what changes if any are companies addressing to to look at sort of attracting candidates uh, with that agenda in mind the csr or the EGF? i think that, that they are investing more time in training training particularly for it um also just benefits packages this, these very flexible benefits packages where you can um, I mean, we've done one, re- one recently at Bain & Grace, so I've done a lot of research onto this, but I think this is something I'm seeing across uh, the market is the flexible benefits. So things like well-being, health, massages, you know, that sort of mm. that sort of self-care type stuff, as well as help with training, help with um, shopping, help with, you know, food, all sorts of things. Because, mm. you know, particularly for the younger end of the market, living in London, as, as our market is largely London-based, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, And I absolutely. think support around that is important. Mm. Um, the EDIB topic is constant and evolving, and there's a, a lot around that. I've done a, I've done a um, mental health course recently on it, and it's just, I think people, I think companies being more inclusive and more aware and keeping channels open and communicating with their staff. I think this is all really important. I think that's right. I think the inclusive piece is the one that feels like, you know, truly in equity, diversity, inclusion and belonging. It's the inclusive mm. piece that feels like the next stage of the agenda with a lot of companies yeah. in terms of they're doing very well at ensuring that we're, they're attracting sort of minority groups and, and, and doing very well ensuring that they look after them when they're there, but it's now really putting that into practice, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's sort of top of agenda. Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, that's great. Um, Claire Gray, thank you for talking to us today. Oh, thank you, Trey. Um,